everyone, and welcome to Farm Bureau on the Hill. I'm Amy Beckham, and joining me this week from our public policy division is Shelby Vinoy. Happy National Ag Week. This has been a very busy week with National Ag Day, National Ag Week going on, but also Tennessee FFA State Convention and Tennessee 4-H Congress. So uh, while I have been in Gatlinburg at FFA Convention, some other people have been in Murfreesboro and Nashville at 4-H Congress. Shelby, you have been in Nashville, kind of missing it all, and we have missed you personally, dearly, at FFA Convention, but it's probably still been a busy week for you, but you've probably had some... uh, FOMO to say the least. It was hard to turn in my headset for a committee calendar this year but unfortunately with everything that's going on in Nashville uh, we have had all hands on deck in our public policy division. It's It's been a crazy week but it's been great to catch up with all the stuff y'all have been doing on social media to keep us in the loop. So while you're kind of talking about that let's just jump right in give us an update on what's happened this week and if you have any insight onto priority issues and what we need to know about what has happened during uh, the greatest weeks of all the years, which is National Ag Week. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. And although it has been a great week for agriculture, it's also been a really good week in Tennessee as far as the legislature is concerned. There's been several things that's happened this week, but I think three main ones that we've been tracking both in and out of session. And the first one is our priority issue with the Greenbelt legislation, House Bill 898, advanced through the House Local Government Committee and will move on to the Finance, Ways, and Means subcommittee. It won't be heard next week, but it will come the week after next. So we're, we're starting to meet with committee members about that legislation, about if you have land in Greenbelt and you enter into a federal or state a conservation program that you would not be kicked out of Greenbelt and charge that three years rollback. So thankfully that legislation has received unanimous support thus far because the committee calendar in the Senate was so long this week, they didn't get to it in the Senate, but we expect that to be up next Tuesday in Senate, state, and local government. So look forward to having that conversation there. And then outside the legislature, but still in the, the realm of Nashville, the Financial Stimulus Accountability Group met on Wednesday and a approved a project with the Tennessee Department of Agriculture and the University of Tennessee Institute of Agriculture. And what this Financial Stimulus Accountability, or FSAG for short, does is they are tasked with the job of allocating the uh, $3.725 billion um, that came to Tennessee from the Federal American Rescue Plan Act. And so thankfully, in the agriculture space, we are lucky to be the beneficiary of several different projects. And one of those is one thing that Farm Bureau has been uh, supportive of since the start, and that is a meats lab at UT's campus in Knoxville. And it would establish a meat processing extension and research facility so we can increase the capacity for Uh, the Institute of Agriculture to be able to train uh, workforce, enhance the the workforce that's already existing, and and overall just grow the meat industry in the state. One thing we've heard since the pandemic is how difficult it is to get into a processing facility. And so I think what the department is doing with the help of UTIA is uh, really going to be instrumental in training this next generation of processors throughout our state. 
And then finally, another issue that we've talked about for the last several weeks is uh, House Bill 1077 about farmers markets. Um, that legislation is going to the floor in the Senate. So hopefully we may see that by the end of next week early week after next um, but in the house it unanimously passed the house health committee um, we're thankful for chairman rusty grills for signing on to that legislation i think a majority caucus chairman jeremy Faison is going to sign on as a co-sponsor so uh, that legislation is gaining support and uh, we really think that by allowing producers to give out samples and and prepared produce that they have that it's really going to be able to take them to the next level at our local farmers market so we had a pretty pretty good start to the week to say the least I think um, so something else that we've been talking about I feel like probably every week since we started this podcast um, and since the legislature began session is local government funding and it's needed because of the incredible growth that we've seen across the state but can you give us any updates about where we stand um, with some of the local government legislation moving through yeah so we had a packed house for the house property and planning subcommittee this week um, lots of discussion about local government funding as the legislation regarding impact fees uh, finally came around on the calendar seems like between committees running out of time and, and the sponsors rolling the bill just to prepare amendments it's been weeks coming I think uh, Kevin and I were talking about it this week. It seems like we've talked about local governments on every single episode since we've started this podcast. So glad to kind of see some of that come to light. But um, House Bill 1206, which is the impact fee legislation, for lack of a better term, it did not receive a majority vote in the House Property and Planning Subcommittee. So that legislation is is done for the year. Um, we're thankful to uh, Chairman Scott Sapicki and Representative Joey Hensley for all of their hard work and the members of the committee who worked with us and the, the different stakeholders on working to try to get an amendment that would satisfy the most parties. But unfortunately, uh, we were not able to get that legislation across the finish line this year. However, um, we're optimistic because the chairman of that committee did assure us and all of the many people that were in the room that uh, there there's going to be a continued discussion on local government funding uh, between us and, and members in the community and especially those that are in that Murray-Rutherford County area. Uh, so we look forward to being a part of that discussion. So that piece of legislation uh, will not move forward. Um, however, one thing that did pass out of the House Property and Planning Subcommittee was House Bill 938 uh, by Representative Rebecca Alexander. And this is relative to de-annexation. I think we've talked about this in a few weeks past, but this would allow owners of property who use their property primarily for ag purposes um, who reside in an area that was previously annexed. So several years ago, there was a big movement of forced annexation where property owners did not get a say in whether or not they were annexed. If they owned the property at that time and they're on a city boundary, so we can't allow for donut holes, but if they're on that city boundary, this would give them the ability to de-annex their property. This has been a conversation for many years, and then we've got two really good sponsors for the legislation. Uh, Chairman Bo Watson in the Senate is going to be running that next week as well, but um, we're thankful for the members of the Property and Planning Subcommittee for uh, passing that through and look forward to having that discussion next week in the Local Government Committee. Also in the Local Government Committee is going to be House Bill 28 by Leader uh, William Lamberth, and that's relative to 
urban growth boundaries. So it removes the extraterritorial zoning authority from cities uh, within their urban growth boundary. And this is one of those things, kind of like the impact fee legislation. We're, we've heard several different ideas for an amendment and nothing's been finished with drafting through legal yet, but uh, rest assured that we're, we've got our finger on the pulse of it and going to keep y'all informed as that legislation is filed and brought to committee. But once again, it seems like we're turning a lot of our focus onto local government issues and not so much ag issues. But in the grand scheme of things, it no doubt affects our farmers. That's why y'all are paying close attention to it. So anything else uh, we need to know about what's happened this week, moving to next week, um, that we kind of need to keep our folks in tune about? So I think there is one thing that has been going through the Ag Committee for the last several weeks because there has just been so much discussion on it. It seems like for weeks it's been before either the House Ag Subcommittee or the House Ag Full Committee. And that is House Bill 447, uh, also by Chairman Sapicki. So he's been a very busy fellow this week. But it's about uh, scenic rivers, and it would declare 30 river miles in the Murray County area, that 30 river miles of the Duck River, um, a Class Two scenic river. And we, Farm Bureau has no position on this legislation. Historically, we have been opposed to scenic rivers because of the imposition of property rights. But, and I'm not sure what the history is on it, but several years ago when, when there was a portion of the Duck River that was classified as a scenic river, there's a certain portion in Tennessee code that adds additional protection to private property owners and states that a property owner must give notarized consent before any boundary is established. Um, and because there is that extra protection for private property owners already in code, specifically for the Duck River, um, we have not taken a formal, formal position on the legislation. But we've seen several folks that have voiced their opinion, and that's been kind of the prime thing that's been going through the Ag Committee this week, and, and we'll move forward. I think it goes to government operations next week. But wanted to keep our members informed. Yes, it's happening, and but Farm Bureau does not have a position on it. And then one other thing that I think rural areas uh, will be able to benefit from, hopefully, if this legislation passes, is the Rural Schools Innovation Act uh, by Representative Kurt Haston. And it's something that uh, I don't think we've talked about it on any platform yet, but it is something that we're supporting this year. And in short, it would allow those really, really strong CTE programs in rural areas to partner with other schools who may also have a strong CTE program, but in a different subject matter to partner and essentially trade students back and forth. So for example, Amy, if I went to school in Perry County, for example, in Representative Haston's back door, and my school had a really good welding program and you wanted to come to my school and take welding, but you were a student in Decatur County, um, if there was room in my class for you, if, if our counties partnered together, you could come to my county and take the welding class with me. Same thing with you. If you had a really good uh, culinary class um, at your school and I was a student in, in that other county that's partnered with your school, I could come to your school and take your CTE class. So uh, career and technical education is something that we continue to be advocates for uh, here at Farm Bureau. It's something that um, we're both proud products of and, and want to continue to advocate for those programs, especially in our rural most areas. So I think Texas has had this program for a while and uh, their student success numbers have almost quadrupled since introducing them. So we look forward to supporting uh, Chairman Haston as he seeks to get this across the finish line as well. 
to say that makes me excited after spending the past three days <laughs> with career and technical edu education students, uh, 4,000 of them at um, FFA convention. That That is good because clearly we can't all be great at everything. And so we want to give those students the most opportunity that they possibly can. And it sounds like that's a good way to make that happen. So let's close, Shelby, talking a little bit about uh, one of our favorite events of the year, and that is Ag Day on the Hill. So obviously it was not held on National Ag Day this week because that was this past Tuesday. Just with everything going on across the state, we wanted to make sure that the youth in agriculture are a part of that event. And because of all the events that they had going on this week, we knew we had to move that. And so it will be on April 5th, uh, not this week, but next week. It's coming up quick. So Shelby, there's a big committee planning that, but give us just kind of a rundown of what to expect. If I'm the general listener, what do I need to know about Ag Day on the Hill? Well, first of all, Ag Day on the Hill is perhaps the best day on the Hill. True. Second True. to Farm Bureau's Day on the Hill, of course. Yeah. I don't. I want to give credit where credit's due. Yeah. But so Ag Day on the Hill is a day that we work with the General Assembly, the general public, all of our industry partners to just really make sure that our legislative and executive branches and our judicial branch, they're invited to, um, understand the importance of the agriculture industry. So we'll start the day off. We're going to have breakfast with our industry partners. We've got a great trade show that we're working on. We've got over 25 vendors who have confirmed that they're going to be attending and setting up a booth. Um, we'll have breakfast with them and our, our protein commodities. Uh, shout out to the Cattlemen's Association, Pork Producers, and our Poultry Association for uh, donating the protein for our biscuits. Um, so we're going to have biscuits with the industry partners that morning. And then Governor Lee is going to join us for uh, a short ceremony outside on the steps of the Capitol. What a beautiful backdrop. And, um, of course, he'll, he'll engage in a little bit of friendly competition. I was about to say, he's going to be doing who knows what yes <laughs> he's gonna engage in some friendly competition so we normally have some sort of ag related uh, contest whether it's uh, milking cows like we've done in years past or cross cutting a piece of timber or corn shelling you name it we've probably done it so there will be some sort of activity and then the house ag and natural resources committee will convene for a very special meeting uh, where we will have remarks brought by um, several folks within the industry i think we always have we always have our 4-h and ffa members represented there uh, we're going to have some youth livestock exhibitors uh, showcase this year something we've, we've not done before and then we have someone from the from straight from the field from production that's going to tell their ag story and then if we are lucky, we're going to be joined by the new uh, senior leader at the University of Tennessee Institute of Agriculture, Dr. Keith Carver. I um, think we're going to get him up there. And I told him we were going to show him around, but I made sure he knew we were also going to show him off because we're excited to have him in this new position. So uh, we'll be joined for the Ag Committee, and then we'll just spend the rest of the day celebrating uh, the importance of that industry in our state. It is a good day, and it's kind of weird that it is so late in the session, but um, real quick, and I know we should wrap this up soon, but there's a chance that the Ag Committee could technically be closed that day. We're going to make a special uh, meeting for it, but that kind of means that things are wrapping up, right? So do you have any expectations of what y'all are kind of thinking in terms of when things are going to slow down? Well, so I get paid to be a pessimist. <laughs> So I'm going to say first week of May is still kind of what we're aiming for. But 
Um, if I were an optimist, I would hope to be out before Easter. Um, we're in a really good spot as far as the way committees are closing. Um, the House Ag Subcommittee closed this week, which should mean that the House Ag Full Committee will close in the coming week, um, with the exception of opening for Ag Day. I think we just have three committees in the Senate that are left open, aside from Finance Committee. And the Finance Committee in both chambers is kind of the one that they're sticking it out till the end because they've got to pass the budget. But um, committees are closing left and right, and hopefully all that's left now is funding some of these bills and um, everything will be on the floor from that point forward and we'll be able to adjourn and see everybody in January. Do you feel like you can see the finish line? I do. I feel like we can, um, especially now that some of the issues that we have been pushing for all session are starting to move and, and things are looking really good for Farm Bureau as well. I feel like we're still in the trenches, but I can see the sun on the horizon. So it's a good afternoon. Well, good. Well, Shelby, thank you for that great update. Thanks all for listening, and we will see you next week for another update about what's happening on the Hill. So thanks for joining us, everyone. Have a great weekend and a great next week.